What are you talking about? Hell no. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just want to keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh-uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You got to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start. This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's gonna start. It, yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's gonna start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. Hello, friends. We're back at it again. It's been quite some time, but here I am. I didn't leave you. I would never leave you. As long as you don't leave me. Let me tell you something. It's been a good week so far. It is Tuesday, uh, November 27th, 2018, the year of our Lord and Savior, and I'm sitting in the booth looking at shoes, which I know I shouldn't be doing, but Black Friday's got me, boy. Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and it's bullshit because it's Tuesday now, so uh, I don't understand what's going on. They just keep extending these holiday sales and all these deals to make sure they get your bottom dollar. And they're going to get it. They're definitely getting some of mine. Uh, they ain't getting the bottom, though. They're going to get some of it. They can, have, they can have a little bit. They deserve it, though, man. I don't, I don't spend much throughout the year. I'm, I'm one of these frugal people out here. I'm very, very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for other than frugal? Cheap. I'm cheap. I'm cheap when it comes to spending on material items. I like to think of myself as a minimalist. All right, I minimize the risk out here. All right, I'm like Tom Brady. All right, I don't throw no interceptions with my wallet. All right, and by that I mean I'm not out here just buying sneakers, buying T-shirts and stuff willy-nilly. Although this year, the more Instagram scrolling I do, the more I find myself buying these graphic tees. Like I bought one of these uh, purple T-shirts with Dave Chappelle on it, holding pancakes, saying "Game Blouses," and obviously that's a reference to one of the best episodes of Chappelle's show ever recorded. So I had to buy that. And it was only $22. So those little purchases come up, you know, month by month. But overall, I'm very, very responsible when it comes to my spending. And I budget, and I make sure I'm good to go. But most Americans are not like yours truly. Consumer spending, according to Adobe Analytics, is up 19% from last year. Specifically on Cyber Monday, Amazon estimated that customers are going to spend millions and millions more on products from Thanksgiving throughout the week leading up to this coming Friday. And we all know what this is about. We all know this is leading up to the most uh, material-focused commercial holiday there is, Christmas. We all know that this is the buildup for old St. Nick to come and dick you down on December 25th. I never thought about it like that when I was a kid. I used to think that Christmas was a, a great time for family to come together and be joyful and happy. And it still is. It still is those things. I mean, I think Thanksgiving is more of that, though. You know, as an adult now, I recognize Thanksgiving is more of a family-focused traditional holiday. Even though it started as 
a bloody, gory massacre of a bunch of Native American people. And I'm not going to get into the, the, the history or the historical aspect of it. I'm not Dan Carlin. This isn't hardcore history. I'm not Noam Chomsky. I'm not going to get into all that. But I will break down why Thanksgiving is better for adults, specifically on our pockets, than Christmas. I'm going to start becoming Jehovah's Witness around this time of year because it's ridiculous how much people's hands is out around this time of year. You got kids asking for trips places. You got parents asking for books. Just download an Audible. You can get audio books. They're free. And they'll read it to you. Everybody needs something. Everybody need a nigga, but nobody want to be a nigga. But here I am. Spending my money on things they don't need. At least it's money I have, though. Alright, a lot of people out here are spending money they don't have on things they don't need. Or worse, things they do need. That's a much worse situation when you spend the $500 you don't have on some tires you gotta have for the winter to get to that job that's paying you that minimal salary. It's rough out here, man. It's rough. But it's real. And another thing that's real is the fact that I'm getting back on track. Physically. I'm getting my, my shit right for 2019. I've been talking a lot of mess, you know. I, I went hard during the spring and the summer, but winter is coming, alright? It's approaching fast. And I need to be fastidious in my preparation for the next spring season. And shallow as it may be, I worry about my physical appearance. I want to look good. Not just for y'all, but for me. I'm going to look in the mirror and see some undisciplined fat tub of shit. And I'm sure y'all don't want to see that when I post my beautiful pictures and lovely videos on Instagram of me lip syncing the great music that I listen to. Now all that being said, the preparation that has taken place for this program that I'm putting in place is uh, it's quite extensive. Not really. But I'm working hard. Two-a-days, being very, very mentally conscious with my fasting. All right. Usually I intermittently fast, but with these two-a-days, I'm going to need to take in more calorically. I know that. You know, I was doing an intermittent fast somewhere around between 14 and 18 hours daily. So my eating window would be between like 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. You know, so I wouldn't eat until about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock daily, and my last bite of food would be around 9, 10 at the absolute latest. And if I ate anything at 10 or after 10, around like 10, 30, 11, I wouldn't eat again until 3 o'clock the next day. So I, it was about a 14-hour window there where I wasn't eating food, 14 to 18 hours on a daily basis. And it was doing me solid. You know, I was just doing cardio in between that time, not lifting very many weights, but I was cutting a lot. You know, I'm down to about 195 right now, and it's probably about 16 to 18% body fat. I need to get that down to about 8 if I want to be serious about this. So, yeah, it's going to take a lot of, you know, a lot of preparation, a lot of lean protein, very little carbs, but I'm going to need some carbs for the energy I'm putting in. And really, when you're working out as much as I'm going to be working out, you can eat what you want. But if I'm really going to be thinking about the innards, 
my insides, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm balancing the lean protein, the carbs, the sugars, and all that bullshit. But nobody wants to hear about that. You don't care about my diet. But just a little tidbit about what I got going on in my personal life. Right now, outside of my personal life, with the physicality and approaching these workouts like an absolute monster, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson out here, like Jocko Wilnick, good. I am going to be uh, watching a lot more basketball. And that's strictly for personal preference because football's pissing me off and I, I promised myself I wasn't gonna talk about it, but I have to. And my whole belief, and trust me, believe or do as I say, not as I do in this instance, all right? Don't talk about how much these penalties and how much the lack of defensive efficiency and great defensive play in football is pissing you off. Don't talk about it if you're going to keep watching. All right, if you're going to keep supporting these motherfuckers, these billionaires out here taking your money every Sunday and Saturday and Thursday and Monday and any other motherfucking day they want to play professional football and show it on TV, we know we're going to watch and people know they're out here still supporting these jerseys and they're supporting the advertisers that buy into this shit. I mean, you drinking Bud Light Platinum. I know. At the end of the day, if you gon' be about it, be about it. Alright, I took a year off of football. A solid year. A year and a half, if I'm being honest. No pro football. And I didn't watch much college either. I didn't give an ounce of time to my Pittsburgh Steelers for a whole year during the 2017 season. The only game I watched was the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Eagles. And it was the most I enjoyed a football game in all my years of watching. Because I wasn't wrapped up in the outcome. I didn't give a shit. I didn't have any money on the game. My team wasn't playing. I didn't care about Tom Brady's legacy. And I damn sure didn't care about the Philadelphia Eagles capturing their first Super Bowl. Which, you know, kudos to them. But they're shitting the bet on that now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. New money. Yeah, ask the Cleveland Cavs how that's going. But football is terrible now. All right, everybody's talking about that game between the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I wanted to call them the St. Louis Rams because fuck Stan Kroenke. Everybody wants to talk about that game like it was the best game of all time. It was an entertaining game. All right, from a layman fan's perspective, and even from a person who understands a little bit about football, I would still consider myself a layman compared to some of these gurus out here. Like, you know, I've watched football with friends who coach and who are coordinators out here, even at the high school level, and they can call out plays as they're happening. You know, they'll call out plays, oh, that's about to be a run, oh, there and I. I mean, I can do that to an extent, but, you know, it's based on the down and distance, it's based on the personnel, it's based on a lot of different factors. And when I'm watching the game, I'm mainly watching the front seven of lines of scrimmage. And I'm telling you right now, what was going on in the front seven of lines of scrimmage in that game was absolutely disgusting. Dudes are just standing up, dudes are scared to rush the passer, Dudes are scared to play defense out here. And when they do play defense and actually lay into somebody, it's immediately a penalty. Now, I know there were three defensive touchdowns in the game. I know Aaron Donald is a man amongst boys out here. He got his. Those two sacks he got through double teams with the fumbles. I mean, yeah, those were electrifying plays. And I sound like an old fuddy-duddy out here. 
like I said, I'm not going to talk too much shit about it because I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep supporting. And at the end of the day, it's fun. I'm still a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm still repping hard. Steelers. And for people who say, oh, you a bandwagon fan? Because I got friends in Florida who still talk that shit even though I've been representing the Pittsburgh Steelers since literally 2004. I will say, I don't care as much about the outcome of their season. Alright, I understand players are players. There's mobility. Shit, Orson plays for the Browns. So buddy of mine played with in high school and he's in the league now and doing very well for a rival of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Am I going to root against him and his success when I know him personally? And I don't know any of Well, actually I do know a couple of Steelers too because Chicolo played for Alonzo. But still, I'm not going to wrap myself up in the outcome of these teams and these players and these millionaires and, you know, thousandaires, if we're being honest. I'm not going to wrap myself up in whether or not they succeed. It's not going to piss me off or make me happy. I'm not going to let it. Look at it like an episode of Game of Thrones, all right? That shit happens in a vacuum. That don't affect your life. That's on a macro level. You know, if you live in that city, it might affect your economy a little bit if you own a restaurant. But if you're just a layman fan out here on the West Coast, especially one in L.A., why do you even give a shit? There's so many more better things to do in California than watch a fucking football game. God, go to the beach. There's way more scenery. Way better scenery. Yeah. But I understand the stadium was rocking and it was, I don't know if it was sold out. And that was on short notice. I can't imagine if they played that shit in Mexico City. Man, Mexicans would have been packed in there, boy. Rooting heavy for the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles. Yeah, it's crazy how quick that switch too, man. These owners and these coaches got no loyalty. None. Speaking of... It's funny what happened with uh, Baker Mayfield. I'm coming off that um, little, I guess you could call it, questionable encounter, engagement that he had with his old head coach, Hugh Jackson, at midfield. I'm all for it, man. I mean, Baker kept it real. You know, at the end of the day, I don't want my quarterback doing that. Like, if I'm the coach or if I'm the GM or owner of the team, I don't want him fueling that instigation all right there's no need for him to say anything about Hugh Jackson to the media he could have easily kept that shit in house when he was you know getting the game ball or giving the game ball to players doing a little huddle in the locker room when cameras are gone that's when you say that shit about Hugh Jackson that's when you say to your brothers in the locker room yeah we showed that motherfucker like he wanted to go to the he wanted to go to the team across the county he wanted to go across county we had to tighten him up so that's when you do that. You don't do that in front of a bunch of journalists who are going to blow it out of proportion, talk about it all damn day on first take, talk about it all damn day on every radio show and TV show that has to do with football because they're trying to fill time. You know, there's no need for him to pour gasoline on that, kerosene on that. But he did, and he's going to stay true to himself. I think I heard uh, Trent Dilfer say the worst thing that he sees out of these young quarterbacks is when coaches or the media will try and dictate who they are. It's bad enough you dictating how they play. All right? It's bad enough you out here trying to change up their style of play. We saw how that worked with Jeff Fisher and your boy Jared Goff. 
damn near ruined the boy's career. Damn near didn't see the L.A. Rams experiencing the type of success they have now. That's all on the back of Sean McVay and, you know, their GM's ability to change course. I mean, I know they got rid of, uh, I forget his name, uh, Les Snead, I think was the GM's name there for the longest time. I mean, they were getting all these draft picks, and him and Jeff Fisher were just shitting the bed every single time. And forgive me if Les Snead is still the GM there, but I don't think he is. Um, I know for a fact, though, that Sean McVay turned around Jared Goff's career, and that's all it takes is one coach, one coach, one culture change. So that's why I don't begrudge Baker for being who Baker is. He was that way at Oklahoma. He was that way at Texas Tech. I remember him being a walk-on at Texas Tech. I'm pretty sure he was a walk-on at Texas Tech and Oklahoma. I don't think this man got a scholarship to any college he went to and then ended up being a number one overall pick, which is crazy. Bro was about to lose his scholarship at Texas Tech. You know how much pressure was on that man? I mean, that's crazy. And then to go to Oklahoma and redshirt to a program like that, I mean, and then to have Patrick Mahomes. Just imagine him and Patrick Mahomes were in the same spring camp or whatever at Texas Tech. I mean, they were in the same facilities. Both those elite quarterbacks. I mean, that's just crazy to think about. I mean, we don't know if Baker's elite yet, but he's showing all the signs. I like that gravitas. I like my quarterback to have some type of balls, you know, even if it is in the face of controversy, even if they might be a little bit wrong because he shouldn't have said that to the media. But, um, you know, I think Hugh Jackson is fake. He seemed a little phony. You know, and I think when you've been in the coaching industry that long, especially at that level, you just develop this certain way of being, this certain way of interacting with players and carrying yourself where it's very inauthentic. You engage in coach speak on a regular basis. You know, you see yourself as a dictator of not only the way things should be amongst your staff, but the way things should be amongst players. And you saw a little bit of that when he butted heads with Ty Haley, talking about some, well, you know, I've been in your position, and I remember when I wanted things to be my way. Sounding like Terrence Howard and shit. Uh, I remember when I was an assistant. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, he held one of 32 coveted positions, 32 of the highest level positions, highest paid, you know, it's... Thousands of people out here clamoring for those jobs, but I think when you get there, the grass ain't always greener. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and you're dealing with a lot of personalities, and everybody coming for your spot, bro. And right now, he coming for Marvin Lewis's spot. I don't know. I mean, bro could have sat on the sideline, took that $4 million from the Cleveland Browns for two years. They owe him $8 million over the next two years, $4 million this year, $4 million next year. He decided to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take 250 k against that $4 million this year. So I'm going to take, you know, 3.75, whatever it is. I can't do math. From the Browns. And then I'm going to take this 250 from the Bengals just to spite the Browns. Because they write their neck and neck with uh, uh, the Ravens. We might have a chance to beat the Browns. I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to go ahead and tell them about some of my players' tendencies. That's why the DB picked a picture boy Dalton off and then handed it to uh, uh, Hugh Jackson. That wasn't a show of respect, bro. It's not like he stood there and then hugged you and then tapped you on the butt. He gave that ball and he was like, yes, sir. Just letting you know. We over you and all your bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And I think he was holding Baker back. I think he had an old school way of doing things where, you know, Todd Haley was trying to open things up. Maybe let Baker do a little something with a little something. And he was like, nah. And 
Todd was expecting to take that spot. And I think that, you know, that shystiness within Todd Haley. We all know Todd got that little shystiness in him. He's been gunning for another head coaching job since he got fired in Kansas City, boy. I remember when he was the head coach in Kansas City and they went on a little bit of a win streak and they just fired him in the middle of the season. I think that's back when, um, damn, I forget who the GM was, but he used to be in the Patriot system. Uh, I forget who the GM was at the time, but I remember he fired Todd Haley on the spot, boy. And uh, everybody was like, wow, scratching their head. But if you know anything about his personality, he's a rough dude to work with. And they showed that on Hard Knocks. He was the Steelers' offensive coordinator for years. Big Ben found him hard to work with, got him up out of there. I know he was a wide receivers coach with uh, the Cowboys for a while. I'm sure he was tough to work with with T.O. and the other personalities there at the time. But he can coach his ass off, bro. While he was there, he helped develop Antonio Brown. He helped develop Mike Wallace. He helped develop uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. He helped develop uh, Eli Rogers. You know, all the good receivers that have come through that Steelers uh, system over the last four or five years. I mean, we've done a really good job of developing receivers. Shit, I forgot about Martavis Bryant, Sammy Coates. You know, we revived Darius Hayward's Bay career. So that's all on the back of Todd Haley, you know, scheming some stuff up. Not all of it, but a lot of it. You know, now we got Mike Munchak getting that offensive line right. Let me get off let me get off the Steelers. You know, I don't wanna, you know, get too much in the weeds there. Uh yeah, a lot of football talk. A lot of football talk on this one. This is a football heavy podcast so far. I didn't mean to go this deep into football. I hope I hope people are still listening. Um if you aren't, I don't care. There'll be some football fans that tune in. Uh uh, what was I? Um oh I was talking to my boy Javon earlier about how much Aaron Rodgers sucks. <laughs> Not really. Right? It's blasphemy. Blaspheme! Um, he is a bit overrated, though. Um, and I'll say that because he missed a wide-open Devontae Adams in the end zone. Could have changed the game yesterday. Can't recall too many times I've seen Tom Brady do that. In a season where they're about to miss the playoffs... The head coach is about to be fired, and you're blaming, you're not necessarily blaming play calling with your words, but with your actions, you know. We can all read body language, and Aaron is saying things with his play on the field that, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to say in front of the media. Because Aaron, who also has a little bit of Baker in him, or should I say Baker's got a little Aaron in him, they have... A similar mentality in the sense that they're a little cocky, got a little chip on their shoulder, overlooked, undersized, but skilled. And uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers is ready to separate from Mike McCarthy, but I don't know if that's going to necessarily right the ship that is his legacy. Because I see him as a one Super Bowl appearance. One Super Bowl win. Sounds a lot like another Green Bay quarterback. And I, I can't take full credit for that analogy or that comparison because I heard it on a radio show, Colin Coward, earlier. But it's true, man. A lot of similarities. That gunslinger mentality. You could say Aaron Rodgers has all the arm talent in the world. You want to know who else he said that about? Brett Favre. I think Brett Favre was more of a player's guy. I think players got along with Brett Favre more. 
in the long run. I mean, shit, Aaron Rodgers' own brother called him out. Jordan Rodgers does not fuck with Aaron Rodgers. And you know what else he said? The family don't fuck with him like that either. Said Aaron a little bit too Hollywood for them. And I can see that. He seems a little, you know, he seems like the type of dude to hold grudges for whatever reason. You know, maybe they didn't support his dream to be an NFL quarterback. Maybe they told him to give it up when he went to Juco. Who knows? And maybe he still holds that against them. But at any rate, I think he lacks leadership qualities that the great Sir Tom Brady possesses to carry a team over the hump. And I think he holds on to the ball too long. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what leads to him getting sacked so much and throwing picks. And Well, not really throwing picks. I mean, he's got the greatest touchdown-to-interception ratio of all time. Let me shut up on that. I mean, the guy can throw the ball. The guy can play football. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, can he lead men? Because that's 60% of what this shit is. Yeah, you can draw up a play. Yeah, you can execute it. But are you going to blame the dude when he fucks up? Because part of being a quarterback is taking the onus on yourself, even when it ain't your fault. And I think Aaron's tired of doing that. I think he said, you know what, I've been that shit for long enough. Do, you, do your job. I get paid $140 million. Do your job. Alright? I get paid to throw it. You get paid to catch it. Catch that shit. And I think he's looking at the GM saying, hey, you get paid to scout, motherfucker. Give me a running back back here. Oh, you got Aaron Jones? Well, can we give him the ball more than six times and a half? Because he's averaging about five yards a carry. But I spent the ball. Uh, the last 13 minutes on football. I'm going to transition to basketball because we got a good, good game tonight that I'm excited to watch. It is Sir Lebanon James and the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets and my boy, the Yoker. The joke's out here. The joke's going to be on the Lakers tonight if they let that boy take off, man. JaVale McGee better be on skates because Joker about to be out there. <laughs> dish, dish, dribble, dribble, tween, tween, ah, iso, iso, ah, hezzy, pull up, wreck. Yeah, because Jokic is that dude to me. And I haven't seen a bunch of different Nuggets games this year, but I know at one point they were undefeated. And I know at one point, Jokic had a triple-double with no misses. I'm going to say that again. He had a triple-double, and he ain't miss a shot. He's a center. He can bring the ball up the floor. He can pass like a point. Now, we've seen this out of bigs before, but I'm just saying it's special. It's special because this man can barely dunk. All right, and if you've seen him run... It's comparable to Tom Brady. I would actually like Tom Brady in a race against the Joker. That stride might get him, though. Joker 6'10". He's got a nice stride. But in any case, this game is going to be a nice battle of potential West Coast playoff teams. Uh, you got the Denver Nuggets, led by, like I said, Jokic. You got Jamal Murray, hooping. He had a triple-double this year, too. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't triple-double. Well, he might have had a triple-double, but I know he went for a damn near 50 one game, and Kyrie Irving talking about some, hey, man, that ain't how you play the game, man. I, I don't like dudes taking shots on me when when I, I can't guard them. Shut your ass up, Kyrie. How about you not let him go off of 50? If you don't want niggas to score 50, stop him from getting to 48. Uh, yeah, Jamal Murray's been hooping. You know, they got a nice little squad. Jokic, um, Isaiah Thomas. 
They got uh, uh, Gary Harris, who I really like. Athletic as hell. Jumping out the gym. Um, I think they still got Plumley. So, you know, they got a nice little matchup. And um, if I'm not mistaken, they drafted that cat Porter, Michael Porter Jr. I don't know anything about him other than the fact that he was, you know, the number one player in the nation at one point before he had the back problems. And I saw him play one game in Mizzou, and it looked like he took way too many threes. I mean, the dude's 6'10 and athletic. He should have been down in the post. I don't know how he plays the game. But if he comes along and develops the way he's supposed to, shit, Denver's on the up and up, you know. So that, that that's that's a nice squad to keep your eye out for, and this game is going to be fun to watch at 9 o'clock on NBA TV. And that is a plug, because I'm the plug, the plug, the plug, the plug, the plug, the plug, the plug. And I've been going for about 30 minutes now. I think it's long enough. I've been mostly just blabbering here, just blubbering, hovering along. I didn't get into too much about current events. Uh, I talked about culture changes for quarterbacks. I think this pertains to one Jameis Winston. I have a prediction for Jameis Winston, and I'm going to end it on this because I think this is quite brilliant, and I am tooting my own horn on this, and I'm going to take the compliment from my boy Javon earlier because he was the one that let me know this is a great move. And I don't know if it's going to happen, but... I haven't heard this anywhere, but I think Jameis Winston is going to end up in Jacksonville. I think it's very possible he could be a Jacksonville Jaguar by next year. If Tom Coughlin is willing to pull the trigger as, I don't know if he's a consultant or if he's the vice president of operations for football. I don't know what the deal is, but I know he's got his fingerprints on an organization. And he's part of the reason why things have turned around a bit there. The only thing they're missing is a quarterback. And I know teams kind of get... You know, teams get in that, you know, sort of uh, misnomer or that misunderstanding, that false belief, thinking that they're one play away or one player away. You know, the Eagles did that years ago when they had the dream team with Namdi Asamoah Vince Young and all these players they paid all this money to and they ended up sucking. I mean, it's about chemistry on the football team. And at the end of the day, the quarterback's got to be cohesive and form a bond with the receivers, the offensive coordinator, the coaching staff in general. I mean, it's got to work. And I think Jameis has the ability to adapt. You know, he can stay in Florida. He can still maintain a solid foundation with fandom who might root for him, even though it's in Jacksonville, which is a lot of Gator fans up there, but still some Knowles. And I think people will get behind them having a quarterback. You know, I think if they're real fans of the Jaguars, you know, and if the Bucks will give up his fifth-year option because they picked it up, but I think they can trade it. And if Tom Coughlin can pull the trigger, I mean, it's between him and Flacco, you know. And it's ironic because all three of those quarterbacks wear – oh, no, I'm tripping. James doesn't wear number five, or does he? Yeah, no, J.B. wears five. Does he wear three? I forget. He wore five in college, didn't he? Yeah, he wore five in college. He wears three now. Anyway, he wore five in college. Joe Flacco definitely wears five, and Blake Bortles definitely wore five. So I think Joe Flacco's ultimately going to end up in Jacksonville because the Ravens aren't keeping him. This is just my last little nugget of knowledge um, regarding football and some moves that might get made for the 2019 season to make Madden more interesting and make fantasy a little more fun. It's definitely going to shake up the AFC East if the Jags get a quarterback that can find something to do with that team. And I know the defense was a bit debilitated this year by lack of offensive efficiency. 
and production in general. But those boys got a solid defense, and they're going to mature. Jalen's going to figure out not to bluster the media. Or maybe he won't. I mean, he's a skilled guy. The further you are away from the ball, the less I give a shit about how much you interact with the media or how much your head is in it from a mental standpoint. I mean, Pac-Man Jones is still balling out here. And that nigga ain't never been right in the head. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh. <clears throat> Settle on a cough attack there. If you notice the jumper skipping the content. But as I was saying, that might have been, that was Pac-Man Jones catch me in the throat. <clears> that was Pac-Man Jones catch me in the throat from across the country. Like, what you say? <clears throat> I'm right in the head. But as I was saying, the further you are away from the ball, the less I care about how heady you are. I want my Brady's, I want my Russell Wilson's, I want my Drew Brees's, I want my Peyton Manning's, I want my Andrew Luck's, I want my uh, uh, my Ben Roethlisberger's. I mean, he had his off-the-field issues. Trust me, I know. The motorcycle accident. Questionable behavior with women. We all know that, but I'm saying the way he interacts with the media. I mean, the Le'Veon Bell thing, he could have handled that better. But I think the Steelers decided as a team we're not going to support this motherfucker's move. Which, for better or worse... We'll see how it works out. I like James Conner, and he's been producing until last week with that fucking fumble. But I'm not going to blame him because Big Ben shouldn't have thrown an interception to a fucking defensive lineman in the end zone. All right, enough football, enough talking. I love everybody who listened. If you lasted this long, I appreciate it. Um, keep tuning in. I'm going to keep doing these every Monday or Tuesday. We'll try and stay up to beat uh, or up to date with it. Should. Um, going to cut this up and shoot it out there. Hopefully, it's up by Wednesday. Tune in, keep listening. We're on Anchor. I'm on Spotify. I'm on uh, uh, Google Podcasts. I'm on Radio Public. I'm on a bunch of different platforms. I'll shoot all that shit out. Coming up with a logo, waiting on my homegirl to finish it. It's gonna be dope. This is gonna stay dope. You all are dope. And smoke dope. Good dope. Not crack dope. Talking about weed. It's all good for you. Alright, much love. She on my trip. She never went both ways, but I made them live. Lock. Never had a condo for days, you was at the till. Top. Might as well throw away the key, I got the streets. Lock. I've been drinking all this lean, I know I need to stop. Hopping out of stolen cars and we shoot chops and ops. Two fetid out Rolexes, they don't tick a top. Let me catch all the shorty, she can pick the pot. Everything up. Rocks in my ear, nuggets, I got my whole team flooded Sacks on fifth, I'm with your bitch, she buying everything I wanted She fly me out to Waikiki, I'll be on her bikini Take her money, go Houdini, I call her when I want eating On my feet, you see them CCs, neck and ears, you see them VVs On my jeans, you see them GGs, treat that bitch like she a Fifi Big body bands, let's beep beep, head in the back of the Jeep Jeep That bitch know she a free free, and I'm a steam Okay, tick, talk out of my wrist Watch, I keep a stick, I keep a beat, clock, you can hear I do my miss, shots, I keep a stick, I tell a kick, rocks Okay, kick, rocks, let's go trick, drop, I do my kiss You making shit, how you think I'm done?